Hallelujah. Yes. Glory to God. I'm excited about today's service. Glory. All right, so um, we've been looking at a series which we titled The Ten Pillars of a Disciple's Growth. We have come to understand that God's goal is not to raise church members. I normally even don't want to hear that word. Hallelujah. God's intent is not to have church membership. His intent is to have disciples. Because, you know, <laughs> Satan, you know, he's very wise. He, he can give people members and keep their souls. He's okay when a church is filled with members. When he's in charge of their souls. So it says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So you can be a church member and your soul has been lost to the enemy. Praise God. Now, you need to pay attention to what I'm going to just teach you in some few uh, minutes. Hallelujah. We've been speaking about the 10 pillars of a disciple's growth and we said that growth just does not happen by wishing. Growing as a child of God does not just happen by accident. There are deliberate practices that are engaged to contribute or to stir up that growth process. Praise God. We said that number one or the first pillar is obedience-based word mastery. We've explained that in our teachings. We said number two is prayer, fasting and solitude. We said that number three is um, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Number four is Christ-likeness, holiness, and right living. And number five is evangelism, so winning and discipleship making. Number six is love and Christian fellowship. Now note that all these things are pillars that contributes to a disciple's growth in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And then we said number seven is facing life challenges. Many people don't know that it is a pillar. Because there are many Christians who don't know that God allowed life challenges to be part of our teaching process. Life challenges is a teacher. Any Christian who has never experienced any difficulty or challenge is not ready to grow. Praise God. So, challenges are part of the food for the believer's growth then we came to number eight which we called spiritual warfare there are many Christians who are only fasting and praying and thinking by practicing that they will see a certain level of growth that's what they miss it there are people um, um, who don't go to church and they say because they are reading their Bible and they are praying, they will grow. There is a certain level of growth that cannot happen individually. It happens corporately. That's like one of the points in the disciples' growth is what? Christian fellowship. So we are to grow 
individually and corporately. So we came to spiritual warfare, we began to tackle the three enemies of the believer. We said the first enemy of the believer is an enticing world. Second enemy is a corrupt flesh. The third enemy is a busy devil. We've used about nine teachings to establish that truth uh, uh, for every believer to understand that if you don't know how to fight spiritual warfare, you, you are going to be in big trouble. Make sure you get that teaching. And then number nine, which we are dealing with, is what we call Christian stewardship. Christian stewardship. Hallelujah. So, um, last week we began to explain Christian stewardship. There are people who know only how to fast and pray. Now, if it comes to fasting, you know, uh, it's my calling. So I'm not downplaying fasting. In fact, we are even doing 100 days fasting. But we need to understand that if fasting and prayer is the only thing you know you fail as a believer. That's why I'm teaching you on Christian stewardship because it's a key pillar in the growth of a disciple. Many Christians are not stewards. We explain that Christian stewardship is the utilizing and the managing of all resources that God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. Get the teaching because we have it on the podcast. We also said that Christian stewardship regards the obligation of Christians in managing, note that, and utilizing intelligently the gifts that God has given. We've explained that every Christian must have a certain mindset or a spiritual philosophy that we are never owners of anything. Unbelievers can call themselves owners of some things, but not the believer. It's not a Christian language. You were not created to own anything, but you were created to manage everything. So you may not be a manager of a, of a company, but you are actually, by your new creation nature, a manager. Are you following this? So you see, God, when we speak of Christian stewardship, we are speaking of being a caretaker of the resources that God makes available. We explained last week about two major stewardships that Christians must understand. We said number one is general stewardship. Many have failed in that place. Which says it's the managing of the resources that we have surrounding us using someone's toilet and keeping the toilet well stewardship there are people who who use toilets and the toilets were never the same again they messed it up and they left it they left it that way in a mess and came out what hope did you come from and i told you of those who also steal the toilet rolls you are very bad steward someone gives you an item keep it for me i'll be back for it in three days the person comes for it the item is looking old someone gives you his car to use for a month you return the car damaged you were bad steward when i sold my car as a seed last year i was using sometimes i was using minister sam's car you can ask him it was far better than he met than he gave it to me 
normally when I'm traveling, I normally love to use a four by four. So there's a man who sponsors my ministry and um, he gives me his four by four. I don't say because he's rich. When I use the car and the fuel goes down, I won't buy fuel into it. This is wisdom you need to understand. Someone gives you his car, the fuel was full. You brought the car, the fuel is empty and you don't feel shy to take the car by filling it with fuel. Nobody can be able to entrust you with great riches when you don't understand some of these little concepts. I fill the car with fuel and I give it the same way I took it. If someone gave you his car, you used it, retain it by taking it through the washing bay, clean everything and bring it back to him. You don't spoil it. And many are not good managers of people's properties. I was told of a young man that was giving a whole house because the person was in the US. The person came back. This is the only guy staying alone. He had dirtied the whole house. And the man says, pack your things and leave this place. You, can, you don't deserve to stay here. I'm sure that house could have belonged to him if he kept it well. Many of you don't know that the little things you are keeping can belong to you if you manage it well. And unfortunately, when things don't belong to people, they don't manage it. My car had an issue. I took it to the mechanic shop. In fact, it had a, an issue. The very day it was sprayed, fresh. And we took it. The car spent two weeks there. When they returned the car, I was broken hearted. Scratches all over the car. Dirt all over the car. Glue all of, over, over the car. Oil, I don't know the kind of oil they use. It was all over the car. And I was like, someone gives you his car new. After repairing the car, you bring it this way. I could have made an issue out of it. Because I'll tell you, this is not the car I gave you. But it's an example. And these people are Christians. These are Christians. And we don't know how to manage things. And unfortunately, if you can't manage the little that God gives to you, he can't give you much. It's a biblical principle that we need to understand. And this stewardship is, is generally spreading across everything that is around us. You go to work late when reporting time is 7 o'clock. You are bad steward. You are a lecturer. You are sleeping with people before you give them great. When God committed these people into your hands to help some even grow spiritually whilst you are lecturing them, you are a bad steward. A house help comes to live with you and you are a married man and you are sleeping with a house help. You are a bad steward and you will give an account of your life. And that's the truth. And many people don't want to be accountable to God. We read Matthew chapter 25 and we, we, we learned about a man who was traveling, a master who gave talents. He gave some five, he gave one five, he gave one two, he gave one three, he gave one one. And the one with the five who worked with it made five more. The same with two, made two more. The one with the one, which we believe was out of envy and jealousy. That why did you give me one? He went to bury it. And we established four principles of stewardship under that scripture. We said the first principle of stewardship is the, is the um, principle of what? Ownership. Remember the Bible says it was the master that gave it to them. So the talents they received did not belong to them. It's high time Christians must know that though they work for 24, 21 days, their salary does not belong to them. It's a Christian philosophy. Your car does not belong to you. You are not an owner. And I'll tell you why I'm not an owner. Because when you die, you don't carry your car along with you. That tells you that it's not for you. 
You are a manager. Keep that you are a manager. You are a caretaker. So you are supposed to take good care of what God gives to you and multiply it before you leave this earth by advancing God's kingdom with everything he gives to you. You don't own anything. I'm telling you. The second principle of stewardship is the principle of what? Responsibility. They were to work with the talents given to them. You are supposed to be responsible with every resource that God gives to you. Time is a resource. Money, your body. We explained that last week. So whatever God gives to you, he's expecting you to bring it back better by working faithfully with it. Then we come to the third principle of stewardship, which is the principle of accountability. You will give an account of every assignment, of every resource that was given to you. There are some of you, God deliberately positioned you in certain companies to give you a certain amount of salary so that certain things can survive. And yet you were never faithful. You never bothered to honor God when he placed you in that place. And you thought it was your hard work. You thought it was your labor. So soon you began to forget about God. That steward can survive because he will give an account of how you use the resources God gave to you. So if you're a pastor, the souls God gave to you, give an account. So if you're a pastor who sleeps with your church members, you are in trouble. I've seen pastors who sleep with choristers. Who even sleep with the wives of their leaders. Having no honor, having no shame. And many don't know that this life you are living is so short. We will stand before one man called Jesus and give an account of our lives. All the money you spent misused, you will give an account. All the times you wasted, you will give an account. And the fourth principle about stewardship is the principle of reward. The master rewarded each one except the one who did not utilize what was given to him. And listen to me, after we give an account, God is going to reward us. He says, thou good and faithful servant. So the end goal of every resource God gives to us is faithfulness. Never envy any man's work. Focus on the work God has given to you. Focus on what God has given to you and be faithful. I've seen people who are looking at what God is doing in the lives of people and they have forgotten what God has given to them and out of envy and competition, they lost their ministries. They lost their gifts. There's a reason why God gave you the voice he gave you. There are some, their voices, eh, when they sing, eh, even when they have not prayed, it will touch your heart. And there are some, they have to pray five hours before they can strike a chord in your spirit. If you begin to look at what someone else has, you will soon begin to devalue what God has given to you. What happens is that when you go to heaven, you didn't make produce out of what God gave to you and you give an account why. The last time I checked, Joseph had a dream. He saw 11 stars bound to one star and they were envious, forgetting they were also stars. So you will be rewarded. So be careful about unfaithfulness. So now, we continue with five areas 
of Christian stewardship that every child of God must be faithful in. Are we ready for this? The first area every Christian must be faithful in is stewardship of time. Stewardship of time. Ephesians chapter 5, the verse 15 to 18. Give that to me in amplified version. Please, when you go home, use this for your assignments. Read them. Now look, he says, look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully. Listen, pay attention to this. He's telling you how to live. He says, live what? Purposefully and worthily and accurately. Not as the unwise and witless, but as wise. Into back as what? Sensible intelligent people next verse making the very most of what the time making the very most of the time buying up each opportunity because the days are evil you know what it means the days are evil it means also that satan has designed strategies to steal your time He uses evil to steal time from people. And we need to understand that every time spent is time gone. I told you last week, one, two, three, four, five. This five seconds is not coming back again. This five seconds at this time will come again tomorrow. So if this five seconds is gone, it's not coming back again. And it's unfortunate many Christians are wasting time. Time on TV. Time with their phones. Time with movies. And there's no profit to God out of that time that you're using. I put something down. Are you ready for it? The way a person uses time tells you where he's going in life. The way a person uses time tells you what? Where he's going in life. Now, you don't need to be a prophet. Check what the person close to you is doing with his time. Whether your roommate, whether your friend, your best friend, whatever it is. Check what the person does with time every day. You will know the future of the person. If the person is a movie watcher, eight hours movie watcher, know the future. Because he will not become a movie star. Oh my God. A Christian will sleep for six hours, wake up in the morning and still resting on bed for two hours. What are you doing? Relaxing after the sleep. You'll be shocked. Now, I'm going to give you some few points. That proves that a person is a bad steward of time. Okay? So, a person is a bad steward of time by these things I'm just about to give to you. If you fall into this category, you are unfaithful with time. And mind you, time is a gift of God. If you waste it, you waste the opportunity of God's investment. Now, a person is a bad steward of time when, number one, he can't account for the way he has used the day. 
when he cannot account for what? The way he has used the day. You'll be shocked that there are many people who just waste 24 hours ago a, a, a day. They just waste the 24 hours. And they cannot even give an account of what they use the time for. You'll be shocked. And listen, now you must take pen and paper on what you do with your time. You must plan what you do with your time. If you do not plan how, what to do with your time, time will plan what to do with you. If you do not what? Plan what to do with time, time will plan what to do with you. So that's number one. Now watch out for number two. A person is a bad steward when he does two hours work in four hours. I've seen people who eat for 45 minutes. And they tell you they are slow eaters. There are people who study the Bible eh, for four hours. And you'll be shocked that actually it was 30 minutes Bible reading they were supposed to do. They were yawning in the process. Facebooking in the process. They go back to the Bible. Answer call in the process. Go back to the Bible. Sleep a bit. They wake up again. That, and meanwhile, they're in verse 1. For four hours. Meanwhile, this is something they should have done within 30 minutes. They use four hours for it. And you will see them and you, you say they are deep. They are not deep. They are not deep. Don't be intimidated by such people. Don't be intimidated. It, it was four hours full of waste. Because there was no plan. Am I teaching someone well here? Number three. A person is a bad steward when he makes purposeless visits. Purposeless visits. Oh, I've seen people like that. They come and visit you because they are bored. Tale who of ye? Minishi yo. Who be here? Okay, na me ba me ba ni edin komo. When your colleagues in China, eh? They are producing cars. Your age bait. They are producing cars. Your colleagues in China. Their age. They are using. They are doing China phones. Whilst you are wasting time in purposeless visits. Listen. Every visit you visit someone must be meaningful. Every visit you visit someone must be impactful. If not, it was a waste of time. And by wasting that time, you are a bad steward of time. Number four. A person is a bad steward of time when he's giving too much sleep. Proverbs 6. The verse 9, 10, and 11. When the person is given to what? Much sleep. You cannot be a child of God and you love sleeping. You are sleeping because of what? You don't have a job. Are you serious? You are waiting for a, a job and the job hasn't come. So you are sleeping. How long? You sleep from 12 to 6. You wake up. You do some cleaning. Then you go and sleep from 10 to 2. Then you go and do some cleaning or some calls. Then you sleep from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Then you continue from 12 to 6 again. Because why? You have sent your CV. You are waiting for a job. But you never have a job. 
You know why? Because that time you are whiling away, you are making your mind dull. You know, sometimes people don't like hard truths. I won't massage you. I have to tell you. That time you are using to wait for a job, why don't you learn something new? Why don't you learn something new? Why don't you involve yourself in an activity that can educate you more? And you are rather sleeping. Look at what the Bible says about sleepers. He says, how long will you sleep, oh sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Next verse. He says, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to lie down and sleep. Next verse. So will your poverty come like a robber or one who travels with slowly but surely approaching steps. And your want like an armed man making you helpless. I was scared when I read this. You can't be sleeping for eight hours. What is wrong with you? Look at another verse. In Proverbs chapter 19 verse 15. You will be shocked here. Proverbs 19 15. Quickly. He says, Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep and an idle soul shall what? Suffer hunger. Look at the last verse. Verse. Proverbs chapter 10, the verse 5. He that gathered in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepers in harvest is a son that causes shame. Final one. Proverbs 20, 13. Are you ready? He says, love not sleep. The Bible is telling you all the things you, you should not love. Sleep is not one of them. He says, love not sleep. Lest that come to what? Poverty. Poverty is, is the best friend of sleeping. Open thine eyes and thou shalt be satisfied with what? Bread. Am I what? Five. A person is a bad steward of, of time when he relaxes in bed after a good night's sleep. Let's do it quickly. Next point. A person is a bad steward of time when he prefers to do unimportant things first. You wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is to check your whatsapp status when you have not checked your status in heaven you have not done bible study you have not prayed and whatsapp is already educating you please learn a person is a bastard of time the next one when he allows others to waste his time when he allows others to waste his time we have that a lot going on who is wasting your time 
you know you are feeling shy to confront the person in a very nice way you talk about useless things for three hours four hours and you know that you need time to do some things you can't talk you can't say anything you're quiet and time is going how long next point a person is a bastard of time when worldly things take more and more of his time when worldly things take more of his time worldly things takes more of his time chilling and over chilling all kinds of TV programs taking all the time next point a person is a bastard steward of time when spiritual things take less and less of his time when spiritual things takes less of your time you spend 15 minutes in prayer you spend 2 hours 30 minutes watching Avengers you will surely be avenged So you can imagine now have you thought of this we have 24 hours when you give 10 percent of 24 hours to god how much is it two hours 40 minutes let's assume that is too much for you can't you jesus said could you not stay with me at least one hour how can you live 24 hours without god in it i'm telling you that day was a bad day for you My definition of a bad day eh, is a day you, you never included God. That's a bad day. That's my definition of a bad day. For that 24 hours, God was never inclusive in that time. It was a bad day for you. Next point. A person is a bad steward of time when he has a habit of being late every time when he has a habit of what being late every time for this one almost everybody here this repentance you go to work late your wedding day cry you are late you come to church late I didn't know there are angels who record time when people come to church. Someone went to heaven. Eh? And the books of his church attendance. Do you know that every anytime you go to church, your register is marked? Oh, you don't know. You know when we're in JSS, we go for assembly and we are, we are marked. In heaven, your church meetings are your assembly. And God told, Jesus told him that he came to church only once. He said, what, Jesus, what do you mean? I've been going to church for more than 50 years. Check it again. And Jesus said, anytime you are late, you are not recognized as a church attender in that meeting. If I'm lying, then that, that vision is also a lie. He says, anytime you are late for church, you are not considered as coming to church. 
if this does not scare you enough There was one man who was a satanist, ex-occult grandmaster who came in to Christ. And he was, he was teaching how unserious Christians are, yet expecting the power of God to flow. He said when he was a satanist, their church service, if you are late, you'll be killed. I was shocked. Lateness is like, you can't just think about it. You die when you are late. <laughs> I can imagine Sunday morning, Satan is oh, sorry. And you won't believe it. They spend not less than seven hours in church. He said that's why we were more powerful than you people. You people complain in church meetings that we, we have spent too much time. You spend eight hours in work. That's why your company is rising. When it comes to God's presence, you spend one hour and you are tired. And you say the preacher is preaching long. Even your credit hours in lecture is three hours. Aren't you ashamed? How can we be deep as Christians? We will never be deep. We will never take charge. Because we are not diligent with God. Look at the next point. A person is a bastard of time when he sets an alarm clock to wake him up but refuses to respond. Now, if you set an alarm clock for 4 a.m., there was a reason why you set the clock. Because you wanted to do something. So, if it is 4, 5, it's still ringing and you turned it off. And you added some more to it. What you did was that what you're supposed to do within that time is gone. And that makes you a bad steward. You said you wanted to do morning devotion at 4 a.m. and you slept from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. You wasted that time for God. That makes you a bad steward. Next point, final point. A person is a bad steward of time when he has no overriding purpose for his life. When he has no overriding purpose for his life and therefore has nothing to stimulate him to a disciplined use of time and therefore has nothing to stimulate him to a disciplined use of time. Hallelujah. Men and brethren, I want you to know that the indisciplined use of time is expensive and costly. It's very expensive. And it's high time every child of God has a plan for his day. You must, listen, the Bible tells us to be temperate in all things. Temperate in all things. That means you exercise self-control in everything that you're doing. There are things that are not wrong, but they are not expedient for you. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, the verse 12. The Bible says that all things are lawful for me. Not all things are beneficial. So there are things that are not necessarily wrong, but they are not helpful. 
And you must be very careful because you may be doing something that is not wrong, but that thing is not helping for you. Am I helping someone? So listen, you must be able to have an organized use of time. How will you use your phone? You can't be replying every message in a day. You cannot be watching movies the whole day. Korean series for seven hours. Hey! Season movies. And you are sitting down. You have not even eaten. And you are not bothered. But if it's fasting, you are bothered. And a student who has an off day on a Friday will start watching movie from 6 a.m. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 1, 2, 3, 4 p.m. That's when he has finished. He has finished because the season is over. Hey. Amazingly, those who act the season movie don't watch it. And they are making you while away your time. Hey! <laughs> you know, when I started reasoning along these lines as a pastor, it scared me of how many times you have wasted. I was shocked to know that every 15 minutes in an hour you waste. By the time you are 100 years, you have wasted 25 years of your life. That scares me. Listen, when you are controlled by time, you control life. I pray every 12 a.m. into the morning. I pray 12 noon for one hour. Even if I'm talking to you and it's 12, you must go. Sometimes I deliberately cut the line. I say, hello. I, I, I can't hear. Poof. I go. Especially if I'm shy of you. Hell, I can't. Please speak. Uh, poof. Let me ball. You go. We do everything to keep our time with God. Hmm. Now listen to me. If you have a call of God upon your life, how you use time matters. I was prophesied to close to 15 years ago. I was a drama that I was going to be a prophet. I was going to, my teachings will go across the world. My ministry will bless many nations and all that. I was a footballer by then. But in alignment of God's will, I don't know what came over me. I stopped playing football that very day. That very day. And I began to work towards my ministry. Within that same time that I was prophesied to about my ministry, there were others also who were prophesied about their ministry within that same time and within that same year. But where I've gotten to, some of them, most of them haven't gotten there. It is not God that determines the full effect of what He will do with you. It is you. Immediately, I started praying six hours a day, three hours in the morning, three hours in the evening. I read my Bible close to five hours a day. I had a notebook. In fact, I, have, I had over 20 notebooks. I was transferring the Bible with my hand. So I go to Genesis 1, the verse 1, and I'll be rewriting it in my diary. I didn't know that God was teaching me how to write by that. So people read my articles on Facebook and they are blessed. It, it came from somewhere. 
He taught me. There was a time I was saving to buy a Bible concordance. I bought that Bible concordance out of pain because it took me six months to raise that money. When I bought it, the Holy Ghost said, go and give it to your spiritual father. I said, no. He has many. I have none. How can I do that? The Holy Ghost won. On a Sunday, I packaged it, handed it over to him. That night, I saw myself in Bahamas in the church of the, 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 the late Dr. Miles Maron. He was teaching. And then he stopped and came to me. I was sitting close to his chair. He says, young man, I've given you my wisdom. And it blew on my head. When I woke up that day, for three hours, the effect of the, of the, the air he blew was still on my forehead. Three hours, literally. Now, if that happened, and he said, I've given you my wisdom, and I was fooling around, because I have his wisdom. I don't read books. I don't read my Bible. The messages you have been enjoying, saying, Papa is deep, oh, and it came from somewhere. I'm telling you. I met one young man who came to me the last time. He says, man of God, I don't know what is wrong. Please, can you help me? I said, what is wrong? He says, I know I have a call of God upon my life. Archbishop has prophesied to me, laid hands on me. Dr. Ampiakofi laid hands on me. Prophet El Bernard laid hands on me. Mention all the generals in Ghana. They've laid hands on me. I said, well, then you must be anointed. He said, but I'm not really seeing anything. It's been some years now. Nothing is happening. And I just wanted to probe a little into his life. I said, so what do you do when you wake up in the morning? He said, oh, normally when I wake up, I buy cocoa and both float. Then I was like, wow. Uh -huh. Then he says, so when I'm done, I, I watch a bit of some movies on mine. He says, so I, I pray for some 30 minutes. And then I go for church. I, I lead prayers at church. Then I lead prayers also. When I'm done, I come back. Sometimes I eat. Sometimes I don't eat. Then maybe I watch a little of the movie. Then I sleep and I wake up at dawn. Then I just continue that way. I say, wow. Who, who did you say laid hands on you again? Listen, let me tell you something. If a man of God eh, lays hands on you, he doesn't lay his experience on you. When we talk of impartation, eh, let me explain it again. Impartation does not mean the man has laid his experiences, the things he suffered to get where he were. He doesn't impact that one. That one's not impactable. When someone does impartation for you, he has actually released grace to make you go through the same thing, to receive the same thing. So there's no shortcut. What you do with time determines where you're going. It determines what you become. Listen to me. If you, right now, you can tell your future now. What are you doing now with your time? Simple. You can tell your future. If you spend more time with God than any other thing, your future is glory. Yes. Because you can't spend time with a great God and not end up great. It's impossible. Those people who were only making time with friends, friends, I, I've never seen any of them end well. I'm telling you, there's no prophecy, it's word of knowledge. Those who like friendships. Today you are here. Today, oh my friend. Today, oh my friend. 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 Check those people. They never go anywhere. It's hard to tell you, but it's true. Have little friends. Quality little friends. And spend time alone developing yourself. Something will change. 
Dr. Benihim, this man you are celebrating, he learned to spend time alone with God. It's lonely when you are alone preparing yourself. But when God begins to expose you, everybody will see it. So what you do in secret determines the public honor you receive before men. I'm telling you, invest time in prayer when you have it. Invest time studying the word of God when you have it. Invest time with quality believers who will help you to grow when you have it. You don't spend time gossiping, time in clubs. I, I, oh my goodness, Father, help you, church. We can predict your future. If you don't adjust how you're using your time. That's the first thing. The second area of stewardship is what we call stewardship of your body. Someone says, man of God, it looks like every time you are preaching your message, you, you talk about what we do with our body and all that. Now, now, let me just clarify this one. You know, We can't stop emphasizing on this reality when we speak about immorality and all these things. You know why? Because that is one of the devil's most powerful weapons to destroy many believers. He uses sex, money, and fame. That's what he uses every time. That is what he has used to destroy people in every generation. So if Paul spoke about it, Peter spoke about it, I will speak about it. And this is in the Bible. You must be a steward of your body. Now, my wife sent me a screenshot yesterday. I want to read it to you. So that if you're a man or woman, you understand why God gave you a body. I was broken hearted. And I know you will too. Now listen. My husband has ruined my life. I am pregnant. I went for checkup and I tested positive for HIV. I am almost passed out. I have never cheated on my husband. So where could I have gotten contact with HIV? I cried and managed to go home. I asked my husband if he's cheating on me. He said no. I didn't tell him anything. I found some excuse to make him follow me to the hospital. The doctor tested him and he came out. He was positive. I fainted. Some hours later, I woke up. I saw my husband beside me crying. He confessed to me that he's having an affair with his working mate. I cried out in tears. You, did, you didn't ruin my life alone. You also ruined my unborn baby's life. Despite all my doing, though I'm pregnant, but anytime this man needs me, I'm always available. Anytime I cook for him and I remember what he did to me, I just feel like putting poison in his food and just die. What have I done to deserve this? Mommy, what should I do? I trusted him, but he ruined my life totally. I just feel like killing him. I am more worried about my unborn baby. And I'll be giving birth very soon. For five minutes, I was speechless. Look what a selfish man has cost the wife. Look. 
let me tell you something it is not every cheap sex we honor because there are many people out there like I'm telling you they have HIV AIDS walking about you thought you had free sex I'm telling you this men, women be careful look what he has done to his wife an unborn baby because normally they, if they detect it on time they can save the baby it's too late now the baby is also HIV positive because of five minutes pleasure now guess what guess what guess what that home will never be the same I'm telling you for the rest of her life she will never be the same because when you have HIV you have to live on drugs forever no imagine you're a young man and you fell into fornication and unfortunately for you that day the person you slept with was HIV positive and you have a call of God upon your life now you must take drugs to sustain the HIV AIDS. now let me help you out if you want to fast can you fast you see these are satanic things the devil brings away to hold us from advancing God's kingdom imagine a young man of 20 years has HIV AIDS or a young lady who has a call of God has HIV AIDS at the age of 21 for the rest of that person's life you are supposed to live on drugs how can you fulfill the assignment of God upon your life how How? One of the messages was sharing a message to me. One young girl who had HIV AIDS from a sugar daddy and was texting her friends who also have AIDS, if possible. I, I, I don't know the full message, but I'm just telling you, paraphrasing it for you. And the girl was telling her that he's going to spread it to all these people in these hostels. And she succeeded and she wrote their names and their hostels. And the message has leaked. So they send the messages. All those in your hostels, check the roll call. <laughs> if your name is in this, this girl has given you HIV AIDS. So go and check, go and verify your name. And I'm sure those that guy who, who was part of them enjoyed and went to tell his room with Charlie, this guy they go, I clear him. Me want to declare you. you are the one cleared and you see how wise the devil is when you have the HIV AIDS eh, you will think and think and think and now you are bitter why did he do this to me why was he so selfish towards me like this you know something the devil will whisper to you spread it you also spread it the same way you didn't have mercy don't have mercy then you lure a boy he comes to your room the person let me use condoms no I don't like I want raw and then the guy doesn't know that raw is war. Then, then you forgot about your future. You were open them. <laughs> Five minutes. Five minutes. And you were happy. I had a good time. You don't know what has happened to you. My heart was broken. Your innocent wife. innocent wife stay in the house be faithful to you you went for a disease and you gave it to her ah yesterday my day was spoiled I'm telling you because I know that home will never be the same because anytime the lady sees the husband the pain will still be there now imagine this lady comes to church on Sunday what I'm preaching will it enter it will never enter and that's what the devil is looking for 
we saw the survey within six months 26,000 HIV AIDS students, UPSA and Legon. You have topped 26,000 in six months. What just happened to us? Now, sex is so cheap like that. And people don't care about their virginity again. They don't care about their body again. Not knowing that we are supposed to be stewards with our body. Oh, men and brethren, we can't do this. We can't do this to ourselves again. Do you know that sex is not a necessity of life? Go and check it. Sex is not a necessity of life. There are four necessities. Sex is not part. One is breath. Next is sleep. Next is water. And next is food. Sex is not part. So there are some who have been tricked by the enemy telling them that if you don't do it, you can't be a man. If you don't do it, you won't survive. That thing is there. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are dangers that surrounds illegal sex. I'm telling you. Dangers. There are people who are still treating infections for the past six months because they slept with the wrong guy. And there are many people who are older sleeping with young girls and these people are in occults. They are in occults and they use these ladies for sacrifices. So sometimes you hear a young lady at the age of 25 dead. You need to find out what killed this girl. It's not every car we jump into. It's not every girl we jump into. I'm telling you this. When I saw this, I said, let me warn the church. And we need to be good stewards of our bodies. For all you know, that boyfriend you are sleeping with may be sleeping with other girls. And you think he's faithful to you. And most of the time, most of the time, most of the bad relationships young girls have in school, that four years, they don't end up marrying. And the guy just wastes your time, wastes your life, wastes your body. At the end of level four, he tells you he has found another flower. So listen, if you don't have godly principles governing your relationship, if you don't have boundaries, you pay for it. And listen, we don't get married basically because of sex, but to fulfill God's purpose. My wife has delivered. Before she delivered, it's almost three months. I never touched there. It's after almost three months. I've never touched. So six months, a married man has not had lapopo. So, so imagine if I got married because I wanted to have sex. Six months, I have not done it. I'm still living and enjoying God. Oh my goodness. I'm still enjoying God. No, I'm being very real to you. Because many, many are not sincere. I want to try my best to be sincere with you. So if the purpose of marriage is because you can't hold yourself and you want to just, just get married, you miss the whole purpose of marriage. Am I teaching good here? So the second area we must be good stewards is the stewardship of what? Our bodies. Now, when I speak of bodies, I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about every part of our body being stewards towards God and His glory. Listen to me. As a child of God, what you do with your eyes matters. And surprisingly, the two main areas that are entry points for Satan and God are your eyes and your ears. The Bible says faith coming by hearing. Can you imagine? Faith comes by the ear, the hearing of the ear. 
The Bible also says in 2 Corinthians 3 18, we all with an unveiled face as we behold as in a mirror the glory of God are changed. So if faith comes by hearing, transformation comes by beholding, which is seeing, it tells us our eyes and our ears are gates. That's alarming. That means the kind of movies you watch, the kind of songs you listen to, the kind of conversations you have can open a gate for either the enemy or for God. This touched my heart. Do you know that you can listen to a man of God, his tape, an anointed man of God's tape. Huh? You can listen to it when you are going to bed. You can listen to it to extend that you can have a dream of the man of God. Have you experienced that before? You can see a dream of the man of God whilst he's preaching. So sometimes you don't know whether it is what you are listening or the dream you are seeing. There's a confusion there. Listen, listen. What you hear and what you see are atmospheres. The spirit behind what you hear builds an atmosphere around you. I'm telling you. When you go to nightclub, the atmosphere there is demonic. It is staring last. So when you get there, there is something about last that enters you. When you come to God's presence, there's an atmosphere of what? God's presence. It's the same. You need to create an atmosphere. So I tell people, sleep with teachings, anointed teachings or anointed songs. Because it creates an atmosphere. The spirit behind that song is around so imagine you you slept watching a horror movie now your eye is the gate of your body so when we are talking about being good stewards of your body he's telling us what you gaze with your eyes matters and many people have welcomed demons in their homes i i told the church on wednesday that listen to me there is no movie that exists today that was that was made to entertain you every movie that was acted was acted to educate you and hear me well any movie you watch was an education in your subconscious mind I set an example let's say Ajua and Kojo at the age of five were lovers they loved each other they were close seven years they were close in a village and then suddenly the father of Ajua came and picked Ajoa and said, don't come close to Ajoa again. I will slap you. Get away. Put Ajoa in the car and Ajoa was moving. Ajoa turned her back in the car was crying, crying. Kojo, hold my hand. And then Kojo was chasing the car. Chasing the car. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. And then suddenly the camera just captured the legs of Kojo running. Then you, they write 15 years later. Ajoa was married, but she was not happy in the marriage. She went for shopping. While she was shopping, we see someone's legs. Now, already, they are trying to educate you, program your mind to just imagine, ah, what if it is Kojo? That's the first education. Then, Kojo's footsteps were coming, and then he went to, Ajoa was holding a basket like that, and he bumped into Ajoa, and the, bas- the things fell, and she was picking it up. And when they raised their head, Then they exchange contact. Remember, Ajoa is married. He says, When can we meet? Have a seat. Let's have a seat. It's okay. So they met in a restaurant and they were chatting. And then Kojo asked him, I, I'm told you're married. Are you happy? 
just it's a long story but I'm just enduring tell me did he beat you tell me I'll attack him if he beat you as if he's carrying then he says he hasn't beaten me yet but he's, he spouted at me the other time I was not happy about it then could, could you just hold such voices don't worry you know I'm always there for you you can call me now at that time your spiritual walls are down yes and then you are anticipating something more than the part at the back the next day Ajwa was beaten by Kojo by the husband and he called Kojo he just slapped me what you said has come to pass he said meet me meet me meet me I'm in this place meet me Ajwa goes there I don't know what I did he beat me he says don't don't stop stop I'm there for you I'm there for you I'm there for you just lie down the bed softly I'm there for you then they began to look into their eyes. He says, I still remember the love 15 years ago. He said, me too. Then they start kissing. <laughs> now, now, as they are kissing, then you're like, yeah, it's true love. Oh. True love, they to always come back. Oh. That's what they're saying. But they just educated you about committing adultery. But your religious walls are down because they say they're entertaining you. Now, one time, um, the husband of Ajwa was suspecting that something was going on. So he decided to do some investigation and got to realize that they are in this hotel. Then he went there. When he went there, the background was dun dun, 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 dun. Then he went there, he opened, uh, they are supposed to be in room 14. Then he opened room 9. Then you, you were like, you opened room 9, they were not there. He said, yes. He opened room 18. Boom, they are not there. And you are there. All you, what you are saying is that, Lord, may they not catch him. <laughs> Lord, may they not catch this girl. <laughs> may they not... <laughs> At that time, you are agreeing with adultery subconsciously because your religious walls, your spiritual walls are already down. So what are they doing to you? They are educating you. Then soon, Something happened. The husband of Ajoa wanted to murder her. And then Kojo said, meet me somewhere. They packed all their things. They entered the car. And they said, we are settling in Spain. And the Bible said, I said Bible. <laughs> they move like that. And then the man is looking for him. He didn't find his wife. is now belonging to another man who was a former lover. And then they said they lived happily ever after. And they finished the movie. And you were crying. Now, what they did in that movie is that they taught you how to commit adultery in your subconscious mind before you ever did it. So listen, you always sin before you sin. So, in your soul, your soul was corrupted with a certain education about cheating. So the day you cheated, you cheated before. So listen to me. You must always watch anything you watch with your eyes, with your spiritual walls on. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Have you forgotten that? Why is that when you're watching a movie and it gets to sex scenes, you're anticipating it? You don't forward it. 
You know why? The dedicating you they're giving you. Some of you learned how to kiss through movies. So when you're with a guy, the way the guy in the movie watched the lady's face and the lady watched the guy, you learned it from there. So now when someone looks at you and says, Anna, baby. Then the enemy uses that education. He says, hey, you were born for this. This is the time. Do it now. Move it! And it begins. Listen. These are serious matters. We are supposed to be good stewards of our bodies. I'm telling you, you cannot be a Christian who goes to a nightclub. And here's the religious language. You people who say you are spiritual, even you people cry, we, we are all not righteous. When you find someone backsliding, that's how they talk. We, are, are we all not sinners, saved by grace? You too. That's a backslider talking. We are, after all, we are all not perfect. Notice that. You people are the people who think you are only spiritual. And we there, we are kind of, we like it like that. Watch it. That's how they talk. And gradually, you are slowly entering into danger without knowing. There are some environments your body must not be there. I'm telling you, your body cannot be there. You know why? Because you are a Christian and what you do with your body either brings shame to God or glory to God. Let me show you some verses. Come to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The verse 15. Now, look at the verse 14 first. He says, and, and, and God, now come to 13, 13 first. Good. Now, he says, meats for the belly, and, and belly for God shall destroy it, both, both it and them. Now, the body, he's telling us the speck of the body, what the body was made for. He says, now the body is not for fornication, but for who? The Lord. And the Lord for the body. Now look at the next verse. He says, And God had raised up the Lord and will raise us up by his own power. Next verse. He said, Know ye not that your bodies are members. Before he says your body is a temple, he says your body is a member of Christ. Hey. So you the one seated here, you are Christ's member. Your body is his member. So, if you put your private part where it doesn't belong, you are putting Christ there. You are putting Christ where he doesn't belong. Now, look. He says, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them one with an harlot? God forbid. You can't be a Christian who sleeps with prostitutes. That's the highest level of shame you can bring to the master Jesus. Highest level highest level of shame. Now look at the next verse. He says, what? Know ye not that he that is joined with an harlot is one body. For two he says shall be one flesh. Next verse. He says, but he, he that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with him. Now look at the verse 18. He says, flee from the case. That word flee in Greek means vanish. Then he says, every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. Now, Look at the next verse. He says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye, ye are not your own. 
So listen, if your body does not belong to you, that means you are steward of your body. And listen to me. This is a shock. I'm about to give you a shocker now. Let's, let's end it. Next verse. He says, For ye are what? But with a price. Therefore, do what? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So if you hear believers say, What I do with my body does not matter, it's only my spirit that matters. You know that believer is in error. Now look at the shocker. 2 Corinthians 5, the verse 10. Look, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may what? Receive the things done where? In their body, in his body, according to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad. The reason why we must be good stewards of our body is simply because we will give an account of what we did with the body that was given to us. Now, do you know that this car, the car you are using, is a vessel. It is you that use it. Right? How you treat your car is, is really matters. It's the same way. Our bodies like the car. God uses our bodies as vehicles for his glory. And therefore, how we treat this body really matters if we want to bring him glory. I'm teaching good. And many people don't want to go through the pain. They say, I have to sleep with him because I didn't have an option. What do, what do you mean? I have to do it because that's the only way I could pay my fees. What? What? You think life is all about education? Oh, many don't know this. Messichimo, who you see today, stayed with a rich man who said he had to sleep with her before he takes school fees. And she left the man's house and went to sleep on the streets, trusting God. Look at her today. Look at her today. What if she compromised and said, God himself should understand. Let me just live with this man. We will never hear messaging. Never. Many have forfeited what God has for them because they compromised God's word. I've never seen anybody who was stuck glued to the word of God that was ever put to shame. Never. So if you're a Christian that doesn't want to suffer anything in life because of your love for God, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, no, okay, we will not hear you concerning this matter. If God even does not deliver us, we'll still not bow. Hey! That means they were willing to die for their love and faith in the master. Look at Joseph. So you are looking for shortcut. And you will have that money. You will have that house. You will have that car. I'm told there are ladies who, who's, who people bought cars for them in Lugol. When they completed school, they packed the car because they can't take it home. Is that glory? There's no glory in this. So listen to me. Every part of your body must bring glory to God. You can't overeat as a Christian. Because overeating can bring you sickness. Look at it. If you put so much load on a car, do you know you kill the car? You destroy the car. 
how can you be eating three times every day and all of them you are fully full and I've told you when you are fully full you fool some don't treat their bodies well and remember we are supposed to be good stewards of our bodies you can't be a Christian who does not bath three times a day oh, okay hold on What I meant was that you cannot be a Christian who does not bath three days, four days, five days you have not bath. What is wrong with you, sir? No, no, no. If you be myself, I don't have three days. Three times a day. Be my mommy water now. Praise God. You have to treat this body well, though. Mm, buy joy ointment after bathing open your legs like this this is a free advice for the guys apply it today you know what I'm talking about the balls <laughs> that's what I'm talking about <laughs> Put, <laughs> you know someone said Papa as for you what it will take people 10 years to say you can say it in one second I have grace put it there. No, you see, some of you, it is when you marry that you realize that you messed up with your body. Okay, let's, let's continue. Let's, you want me to stay? <laughs> I can't stay, I can't stay, I can't stay. I can't stay. Apply joint men there. I'm telling you, it's a secret. It will keep the place clean and to bring you joy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you can't wear one boxer shorts for two weeks, eh? And somewhere for one month, one boxer. No, you can't do that. <laughs> no, no, you're not a good steward of your body. I'm telling you the truth. You have to bath and bath well. And all these things we are doing, is, it, it, it's, we are doing it because we love the master. You may be thinking, now, what has bathing got to do with God? I can serve God without bathing. Even John the Baptist was in the wilderness. <laughs> Eating locusts and wild honey. Uh, even if I'm in the city, at least I bath once. Now, you see, imagine that you don't bath four, five, six days, ten days, eight, uh, two weeks, and then you have skin disease. It, it is more expensive to treat them than when you bath well. Imagine you are treating a skin disease and you have a program as a pastor. And you are preaching now. Nah, Otoke cow. <laughs> and David <laughs> and <laughs> Goliath. <laughs> now, <laughs> now all the sacred pork. <laughs> Beloved, lift up your hands. <laughs> You avoid all these things. Oh, I'm teaching good here. Yeah, because, for example, you're a man of God. You don't treat your mouth well. And we, men of God are always communicating to people. So these areas are very vital. Then you just, hallelujah, my sister. Hi. <laughs> I told you the first service of one man of God. 
he got to one lady and he blew air on the, the lady. <laughs> Receive it. And the woman fell deliberately because what came? So the woman said, I had to let go myself to set my soul free. And the man thought that he has power. But there was a power beyond that power. <laughs> power past power, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, do you know that, do you know that even smell alone eh, can make you lose favor before people? You don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, when I wake up in the morning, sometime in the day, when I go to a place, I just, I just check, just to be sure. Sometimes I'm just out there. I just check. You have to be, you have to check it out. Hey! So, even apart from it bringing glory to God, eh, it brings glory to men. There was a man who was complaining. He said that he doesn't know how to tell the wife because the wife's private part is smelling. He has never enjoyed sex from the day they got married. Now, what happened to this lady? We all don't know. But the man said he can't tell it because some of these things are difficult to say to husband. Now, how will you communicate it? You know, it will take a humble person. You know. So, save the person all that. You know, you know I love you. It's not because of anything. I love you. But I just want to. Can you take it? I love you. It's difficult to say these things. You can imagine that that simple thing alone can destroy a marriage. Oh, you can't keep your room dirty, you. Eh? Who went wash that bowls at home? Because the worms are too much. They are now being fed. They are growing to become snakes. <laughs> Go and clean that room. Clean everything. You will never feel an, the anointing of God in a dirty room. Oh, I'm teaching good here. In the works of the flesh, go and check it. One of them is uncleanness. One of the ways of identifying the presence of a demonic spirit is smell. Yes. That's what mad men normally are close to. Bola. The spirit that is in charge loves death. Yes. Death is a wrong spirit. That's what we... Look at the word. Holy Spirit. That word holy means clean. Because So you can never walk with the Holy Spirit and keep your life dirty. Oh, I'm ministering to someone. You know, these are areas you're not here being taught, but it is destroying a lot of people. Be a steward of your body. Am I helping someone? Alright, so let me end for today. Are you blessed at all? Uh, do you think I'm helping your life? Alright. 